Isn't he wonderful? Amen. What a meeting we've had. Amen. If we would close even now, we could say we have been met by the angel of the Lord. Amen. He's came in every service. Even this morning in the minister's breakfast, it was, it was so overwhelming. His awesome presence. Today in the youth services, we as we watched and you were a part of, we watched God speak and turn, speak to you and take a vessel and use him. If we can only recognize it's the voice behind the voice. None of us came to see man. Even as we turn our hearts toward tonight of, of a prayer line, you know no man's a healer. No man's a healer. But when our faith reaches another level, reaches unto God, you can walk out in this building a, a very sick individual, even unto death, but you can walk out totally healed. Now let me just ask you, we've all sat in doctor's offices for hours and hours and hours. Been patient with that. And they're only practicing physicians. There's a doctor in the house now. Some things in your conditions are too private to even speak. But God hears. And he answers prayer. Sarah, is there anything impossible with God? And he's the same God today. Maybe you would lift, divide gravity and lift your hands before the Lord and say, Lord Jesus, 
remember me. So man would scream, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Even in addressing him out of order, God still heard. He hears your prayer. He knows your thoughts. He knows what you've been going through. You may say, well, Brother Ron, it's just impossible. I've suffered with this for years. With our God, there's nothing impossible. Maybe even now you would say, Brother Ron, I've got children that don't know Jesus. They know church, but they don't know Jesus. Maybe you don't know Jesus. You know him by a story or even a prophet's voice, but Jesus is in the room. Heavenly Father, we feel your awesome presence even now. Lord, as we come, we have surrendered ourselves to you. Phenomenal minister standing in this room. Lord, what great men that you've placed here. But you placed them here for a great bride. A people of your own choosing. While we're here in this humanity, we have great needs. Many needs are so difficult, almost unmanageable, so hard to even talk about. Not just needs in the flesh, but in the spirit. Maybe the darkness of depression, that thing can be broke tonight. Maybe there's people that know you, but they're backslidden in their spirit. Things have just got in the way. Maybe they've been hurt. Lord, you've never hurt one. It's your, it's maybe men and their own carnality that's done that. I'm so sorry. Lord God, come. Touch your children tonight, Father. We reach out to you now. We all stand in need. Lord, as we take these directions now, we ask you that you would speak to our hearts. Even while the word goes forth, touch us now. Brood over this building. May it be like a wind that would come through here. Lord, may the pillar of fire be present to your children. May this place become like a smoky presence of the hollow presence of God. Lord, what we say is you're welcome here. Now, Satan, leave. Leave in the name of Jesus Christ. You take your leave. You go back to where you came from. By the authority of the name of the Lord Jesus Christ tonight, we pray. You are a defeated being. And we proclaim that today. In Jesus Christ's name we ask you. Amen and amen and amen. 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 God bless you. God bless you. Amen. We so appreciate every service that we've been a part of and we've been here to be part. Thank you for having us. 
Thank you for having us, me and Sister Connie. We're honored to be here to stand with you one more time, and we don't never take those things for granted. If you will turn with us to Matthew chapter 6 and verse 9. Just give us the leeway to just take part two, and this will be more of an action scriptures tonight. So, I would like for you to read this with me, if you will. And after this manner, therefore pray ye, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. God bless you, Brother Menno. Amen. Love you. We're friends. For those that are very familiar with the message, you will identify with this next scriptures. In every prayer line service, Brother Brennan would you would either would read these scriptures or he would talk about the story. It was a story of redemption where Jesus would go out of his way for one. John chapter 6, chapter 4 and verse 6. Now Jacob's well was there and Jesus therefore being wearied with his journey. Sat thus on a well as it was about the sixth hour. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. And Jesus saith unto her, give me to drink. For the disciples were gone away unto the city to buy meat. Brother Branham said that he sent them away. And then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, how is it that thou being a Jew asketh drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. And Jesus said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. And the woman which saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou a a living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the water, the well, and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle? And Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drink of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water 
springing up to everlasting life. And the woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water that I may that I may thirst not, neither come hither to draw. And Jesus said unto her, Go call thy husband and come hither. And the woman answered and said, I have no husband. And Jesus said unto her, Thou hast said, Well, I have no husband, for thou hast had five husbands. And he whom thou now hast is not thy husband, in that saidest thou truly. I think as we would begin this service, Brother Branham wouldn't just tell that story over and over again. The same Messiah sign has been displayed in this generation. That same gift, none of us pretend to be a prophet or that's, that gift was one to a generation, to a and so we, we realize that, we realize even in this building that we're not looking to a man. We'd be quick to do that. Now what I'm doing is getting rid of scarecrows here first. And very, and very quickly we would identify that, that the same Jesus was at that well is sitting at your well. And maybe even you would be in denial of where you're at. But Jesus already knows. Now he's not ashamed to come to your well. Because he's looking past your condition. He's not even looking at your situation. He's looking at the seed that was placed on the inside of you. And you were worth coming to Edmonton for. So he'll go out of his way to come to one. Tonight it may be many. So you can come to the well tonight and expecting one kind of water and leave with a complete different kind of water. Now we do this by a higher authority. We were commissioned by the scriptures to lay hands on the sick. And we're not the healer. But the scripture says that they shall recover. And so we take him at his word. Now faith, so many times we want to try to manufacture faith. But, but let me just say this to you. Faith is expecting God to do what he said he would do. Now, when you ask him to save you and he come into your life and, and you accept salvation, your garment changes and you're no longer the person that you used to be. And he begins to clean you up and take habits out of your life. Now, there's not a preacher here that can clean you. We can preach a whole lot of legalism and preach how to clean our lives, but God can take the desire. He can take the desire. He can take the unbelief. And you may not be a believer tonight or even be a make-believer where you're at, but you don't have to stay that way. 
And I'm not here to condemn you to be in your condition. But I can tell you, you can walk out of this building, even if you've served the Lord 50 years, you can walk out of here refreshed in a new revival like never before. I preached about 40 years now. We preached about revival coming. We preached about the great things that is going to be among us. That's here now. That's here now. Services like that we're having all over the world. You don't have to manufacture it. We're not feeding on the personality of a man. We're not trying to work anything up. He's here. To say he's not here by accident, he's here to fulfill his word, and he's on a mission. The our prophet had to leave the scene, but the angel didn't leave the scene, and he's here to make sure that the word is accomplished in your life. So, this is the bride's revival. We're feeding on the Word and its manifestation of the Word. And it's not just a dead letter, but it's a life. Now we realize that Satan can't get to that gene seed of God. That was placed there before the foundation of the world. You understand in future home you were born and it was almost like two natures inside of you. But one laid dormant. And then under the right atmosphere, that seed of God came to life inside of you. Now you never was, let me just say, you never was a a pig in your... You never was that, that, that out there. You acted like an alien. You always was a son of God. But you didn't act like it. But one day, God rich in mercy. This is a healing service, but you remember when. All of us has got that story. We remember when. When he came down rich in mercy in our lives. And what a miracle it was. He took a drunk or he took a dope addict or he took a religious person that was dead sitting in a pew and he brought him to life. And you didn't have to make yourself go to church anymore. You didn't have to make yourself love God. It was a spontaneous fountain that became alive inside of you. You couldn't wait till those doors came open. You were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and came under the identification and then God filled you with the Holy Ghost and he sealed you with his own life. Like a breath of fresh air, it began to breathe on the inside of you. But that didn't change your flesh. Your flesh is still a sinful flesh. And God sends you the Holy Ghost to put reins and dominion on your flesh. And that faith, that word of God keeps your body under control. And when that old nature wants to rise itself up inside of it, you by the word of God call it back to order. Are you with me? That's why we need a body change. That'll be the greatest healing line ever in the earth. 
Oh, Brother Ron, I don't know so much about these divine healing in the message and prayer lines in the message. Let me just say there's going to be a prayer line around the world. One glorious daybreak between 6 and 9 o'clock. There's going to be a tiny light come down and change your body from mortal immortality. Never to have another gray hair and never to be sick again. Oh, what a day that will be. Because Adam fell, we get sick. Because Adam fell in our spirit, we become weary. There's many different things that he afflicts us with. Memories of the past haunts us and we are prisoners to what yesterday was like. But if you could only see yourself as God sees you, And you could get a glimpse that God never sees you now the way that you used to be. But maybe there's a spirit warring in your flesh of what you used to be and used to be. Why not tonight get a divine healing for that as well? Brother Branham would talk about in spiritual amnesia. You can just give me just a few moments. In spiritual amnesia, he would talk about there was, a, there was some war boys, soldiers. And they'd been at war. And as they'd been at war, they had forgot who they were. He said kind of getting between two opinions will cause that. They had forgot who they were and they were scarred and they didn't know where home was. They'd put them on a train and take them to a place to where that they would be taken care of. Be cared for by tender hands. But Brother Brown would talk about a story to where that this train would come to a stop. And, and they would let them get off and stretch their legs just a little bit. And as they would get off and stretch their legs, the story of the day was that there was one boy that, that was looking around. And as he was looking around, there was a water tower. And it seemed familiar to him. And he, and he just started walking. And the guard, instead of stopping him, said, I, I think I'll follow him. And he began to follow him. And, and as he was walking, he noticed that he went up over the hill and he went down and went up over another hill and he was following a path. And we'd go over the hill a couple of different places and, and he would look and there was a little smoke coming from a, a chimney. There was a little house over there. And he began to walk down and he, as he walked down, there was a man standing in the yard at the gate. And the guard witnessed a miracle. And that father was standing there and he said, son, I thought you was dead. I thought you was dead. Welcome home. Welcome home. 
Oh, if we could see the water tower tonight. I'm sorry that some have been scarred in so many directions and got different thoughts about different things. And Sometimes us as ministers may seem like that we were extending grace like never before, but you don't realize when we, when we see that there's a seed of God on the inside of an individual, we'll go to the ends of the earth. A real man of God will never give up on you. Why would Brother Branham hunt with a man named Burke Call? He called him the lizard eyes. Wickedest man he ever met. A prophet. That is going to reveal the mysteries of the book. That as a spokesman for this age, even would be confused with God himself. But God would allow him to have time with Burke Hall. Let me just say this, you God will take time for you. You say, God don't care for me. Let me just say this to you. God cares. And as long as there's breath in your lungs, he still cares. Brother Ron, I'm going to need a quote for that. Okay. Jesus talked about a, a, a boy in a hog pen. And you know, he was talking to people that didn't identify with hogs. They were so religious and they were, had a law. And they'd put you in hell in a moment. But Jesus talks about a man that has wanted to have all of his father's goods. And he spent it all in riotous living. But notice the father didn't give up on him. Notice he didn't give up on him. And that boy found himself, when the friends were gone, found himself in a hog pen. In a horrible place. One day he realized that my father's servants have it better than what I have. Something inside of him said, it's time to go home. Now, no man can come to the Father except the Father draws him. There's no man can come. But let me just say this to you. I dare not want to stand in one's way. When he's on his way home. Brother Ron, why are you going in this direction? My boss told me to go in this direction. He's interested in that last seed. I don't know where it'll be setting, but he's interested in that last seed. And none of us are going anywhere until that last one comes in. When that boy made his way home, he found a father that didn't condemn him. He found a father that loved him as much as he ever loved him. I would say this to you, I've disappointed the Lord many times, but he's never thrown me away. Now for those that are self-righteous, you've disappointed him too. Maybe with an attitude, a thought out of place. 
even toward one another. Satan, if he can't get you, he'll get you to throw rocks at one another. We're family. I want to remind you, under this divine healing, we're all going to sit at the same table. And it won't matter who can quote the most or who has the greatest revelation or who is the most intellectual or who is the most anointed. We've all got a seat at the table. And I'm going to thank God that day that I made it. Hallelujah. I was not worthy, but God in his blood. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Now, we realize that sickness comes not from God. It comes from an enemy. It's under the law of sin and death. But we realize that we have power to pray. Brother Branham tells us that prayer is the key. It's the answer. Prayer changes things. Prayer is the most powerful weapon that was ever put in control of human beings. There's no atomic bomb. No hydrogen bomb. As powerful as prayer. It's still active today. Isaiah 53 and verse 5 said, But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. If Satan, you know, he thinks he's so smart. But if he would only realize that when this man takes this beating, it's going to be the inoculation sickness cure. Hallelujah. If he's so smart with the word of God, he would have never touched Jesus. Jesus would have died an old man. So the devil's not so smart. And he'll afflict a child of God knowing that they have a right. And there's a blood and there's a scripture that said I don't have to live this way. I can be healed. He cared enough. He cared enough to conquer every enemy for you. That all you have to do is to be sincere and believe it. He conquered death, and death ain't nothing for me to conquer. It's already conquered. Sickness ain't for me to conquer. It can't. It it ain't nothing. He said for Christ to conquer. It's already conquered. I just have to care enough to believe it. Are you afraid what somebody else has told you? Are you afraid of a doctor's diagnosis? Are you afraid of what the church will say to you? Are you afraid to stand there toe-to-toe with the devil? And say, I've confessed my sins. I've laid aside everything. And I believe in every word. Here I am, Lord. Create in me. You cared for me. I care for you. And now we are more than conquerors. 
We just walk right into it as an inheritance more than conquerors. We're dealing with a defeated enemy. Sickness is defeated. Death is defeated. Hell is defeated. Everything is defeated. Brother Bram said, I wish I was twice the size I am now. We are disputing. Yeah, and he's twice my size. We are disputing with a a conquered enemy. Could you say that with me? We are disputing with a conquered enemy. Give the Lord a good hand. Now, once we're healed, once God blesses us, we have an obligation to thank him for it. You know, that's the reason that we come to church and we have song services. It's to bring us out of the atmosphere of the world. And, you know, and we're not here to be entertained. We're, we're here to lift our worship before the Lord. Now, whether you're a quiet person or the loudest person in the building, we all have an obligation to enter into worship. Now, entering into worship is not just for the men of God to to preach to you, but then you respond to it. And when you respond, you're not just responding, you know, for even for yourself to hear it, but you're responding to where that your enemy hears it and you identify with what the Word says. Oh, but I think it, but God didn't ask you to think it. He asked you to confess it. So worship is a part of confessing it. And if you remember, God gave people talents and he gave them gifts and he gave them healings. And and one time there was many that went away, but two came back to praise him and thank him for it. I would like to be a part of those that came back to say thank you. I'm in a situation in my life, I thank him for every day. I thank him for every hour. I don't just take it for granted. I I very much thank him. I have found out what's really important to me. In Psalms 150 is a good spot to stop and thank him. Praise ye the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in the firmament of his power. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. That's for his works. Praise him for his works. Praise him for his healings. Praise him for the gifts in the body. Praise him for what he has done for you. You're not here by an accident. Praise him for that. for sitting in this building for granted. Satan's done everything that he can to stop you from being sitting here. Oh, hallelujah. Praise him with the sound of a trumpet. Praise him with a sorcery and a heart. Doesn't sound like a quiet place. Praise him with a timbrel and a dance. Praise him with stringed instruments and organs. Praise him with loud sounding cymbals. Praise him on the high-sounding cymbals. 
Let everything that hath breath. Let everything that hath breath. Praise ye the Lord. going to make us Pentecostals? Exactly. The original ones. But Brother Ron, I, I came out of a dead church. Well, there's a healing line for that. There's a healing line for that. There's a blood for that. Brother Ron, but my church don't do that. You might want to move. Why should we be scared of worshiping the Lord? They worship at a hockey game. They worship at a football game. They worship. They worship. Why shouldn't we worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords? For he is good and his mercies endure forever. I'm free. I'm free. I've been born again. Now I would say this to you if if you're dead you have a right to sit dead still. But I will identify somebody that's dead still and quiet and don't want nothing to do with worship. They're spiritually dead. But you don't have to stay that way. There's a better life. It's kind of like being married. You should tell your wife she's the most beautiful woman in the world. You better tell her she's the most beautiful woman in the world. You tell her how much you love her every day, multiple times. Brother Ron, I'm just not that kind of person. You need, to, you need Jesus. Because marriage besides the Lord is the greatest thing that God did for you. You're going to spend eternity with that little woman. You stepped out of time into eternity. You say, where does this fit in a healing line? Some of your marriages need a real touch from God. You need to fall in love with one another. Quit your fighting. Quit your fussing. Quit your stewing. Create an atmosphere where Jesus will come in your home. Repair the the altar of your home. Don't let Brother Brown's voice become a stranger there anymore. Let your children see the real Christ, the real sermons living on the inside of you. You take your place, man. You take your place, sisters. Live in harmony.
You didn't know you came to a marriage counseling service, did you? Now, if Jesus won't live in a vessel that's contaminated by sin, he won't live in a home. He won't live in a home that's fussing and stewing all the time. Let's quit being actors here. Let's be real. And neither will he live in a church. We as men of God don't have to beat people into it. We need to love them into it. We need to care for them into it. We need to live like Jesus. Sometimes we think, well, why am I having so much trouble? Brother Branham says, and why does God let troubles come? But he said he, God harnesses trouble and puts bits in its mouths and makes it obey him. And it's those troubles that bring us into closer fellowship with God. A saying that struck home with me the other day said, I asked God, why are you taking me through troubled water? And he replied to me, it's because your enemies can't swim. Brother Bram said it's in those crucial hours that press us onto those sacred sands. It was in the Bible, and, and, now, and remember, no matter how great the distress is, Satan cannot take your life until God is finished with you. I want you to say this with me. Satan cannot take your life until God is finished with you. So why should we fear death? There is nothing that can happen to you unless God permits it. There's no evil can come unless God permits it. Notice each next word. And it's for your good. He's working that. Brother Brown says, now let us turn our camera and turn it back to a, that dark afternoon 1,900 years ago this afternoon. Looking, going up a hill, I hear thumping. What is it? It's an old rugged cross going up the hillside. It's dragging out those bloody footprints of the bear. And as it's bumping over those rocks as it went through the street, I look over all of his back and its specks all over and that robe is without seam and, and God of creation packing the very cross that he created. Emmanuel's blood begins to flow through his back in spots and, and as he goes up the hill, them, stop, them spots begin, begin to get bigger and bigger and all at once they go into one great big splotch of blood. And against his little humble body, weakly legs, they begin to splat. What is it? He's, he's dropping it. He's dropped his shoulder, his human strength. What was it? God hiding himself in simplicity. That was God packing that cross. Here he goes up the hill, stumbling, the blood running out of him. He fell. Simon picked up that cross to help him with it. And as he goes up the hill, the devil said, you know what? I, I know that 
He's not God. I know he's not. He would never do that. I've got him now. I've conquered every man. I've got him. So I know that that ain't God. So he sent the bee of death to sting him. And as that bee began to hum around him, you know, bees, insects that have stingers, death's in the stinger. And you know an insect ever, ever stings to death. It begins to pull that stinger out. So it is ever anchored in a man, an ordinary man. If he's been an ordinary man, a prophet, he's, he's had that stung. And many a prophet has died. But when he stung this one. When he sunk his stinger into the Lamb of God. He no longer had the sting of death. He pulled it inside him himself for you. If you would have been the only one, he pulled it inside of himself for you. Now, you remember in Jonesboro, Arkansas, Brother Branham is taking a break from the service. He's walking through the crowd. That, that city now that's a small city has become three times its size because of the meeting people are coming to see. Coming from afar. And he hears a, a girl calling out. And she's going, she's calling, Papa, Papa, where's my Papa. And Brother Branham, listen, not by chance. Comes to her and asks her what she's looking for. She said, I'm looking for my papa. My papa told me to stand here, but the crowd has pushed me and I, I, I've lost my place and I've lost my father. What did you come here for? We come here to see the healer. And, and he said, I thought I'd just talk to her a little bit. Kind of, he would apologize for being that way and he would talk to her a little. You don't believe that? Oh, yes. We heard about a blind man that, that was blind and, and he got healed at this meeting. That man was actually sitting under a red light when his eyes came open. I sat at that red light. These are not just stories. And I'm not just rehearsing a story now. And Brother Branham says now, he talked to her and he said, you don't believe that, do you? Yes, sir. Yes, sir, I do. I do. See, I, I have cataracts that's wrapped around once they became ripe. They wrapped around my optical nerves and, and they give me no hope and I'm blind. And he begins to talk to her. And he says, well, I guess you ought to know that I'm William Branham. She locked the hold of him. She locked the hold of his lapels of his jacket. And wouldn't let him go. Let me just say, hold on to God. While he's passing through in this service, grab a hold of him. Touch the hem of his garment while he passes by. Notice in Brother Branham's prayer, he said, remember, Lord, she being a black woman, remember, Lord, when, when Simon, serene, picked up 
your cross and, and carried it for you. This blood will take care of black, white, yellow, pink. It'll take care of every one of us. No Christian should have any prejudice whatsoever. It's a healing line for that too. Notice what she told him. said, if I can get to the healer, I can find my daddy. If I can get to the healer tonight, Brother Ron. If I can get to the healer tonight, my marriage will be different. I can come back to God. I'll see the water tower. If I can fall in love with Jesus, this message won't become mechanical anymore. I love to worship the Lord. I love to praise the Lord. Young people, we don't have to sit dead still. You don't have to be so quiet. But if you fall in love with Jesus... I remember, I remember Brother Mino was I was a young man, 22, 23 years old. When I found Jesus, I knew that I was lost as a goose. And God, rich in mercy, reached down into my life. And he saved me from being a drug addict. I was raised in this message. I heard the tapes. I knew the quotes. But when Jesus became real to me. I had danced for the devil, and I sure enjoyed dancing with my new partner. Believe that works, Brother Ron? I was on an airplane. I was, I had preached a meeting, and I was wore out and tired. Being wore out and tired, I got to the plane, and they bumped me. This week's hadn't been the only time I've had trouble with planes, and and they said, we don't have a place for you. We, we're, we're going to have to move you. So they moved me to a complete different airplane. That n- new airplane, I, I didn't get a good seat. It was against the wind and two great big guys. was One great big guy and another fellow was sitting beside of me. And You know, the fellow beside of me was so talkative. He was just a yak, 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 yak. And he was just yakking away and he was telling me all about life and their insurance company. He was telling me how great his boss was. And, you know, for almost two hours, they just, he just talked away. The other fellow sitting on the other side was looking at a newspaper. He literally had nothing to say. He kind of sat pitched forward looking at the newspaper, kind of bored with life. And he was sitting there and the guy in the middle finally said, what do you do? And I said, well, I'm a preacher. And he said, well, what are you preaching? I didn't have time to fool with him. I said, I preached the message of William, Mary, and Branham. And the man in the aisle said, really? He said, I grew up in the message. He told me the story of squirrels, and he told me the story of Hattie Wright, and he told me a couple of different things so I would identify that he knew what I was talking about. And he said, but my life is so wrecked and so horribly tore apart He said, I can never find my way back. And I told him, begin to talk to him about 
praying for him and I'll be remembering you in prayer. We got off of the airplane. I was trying to catch him and he got ahead and they were gone. For about 20 years, I told that story about that man. What I was telling the story for was I was looking for the man in the audience. One day I'd meet that man. New people moved into our church and we were having a gathering with them and having a dinner. There was a man sitting beside of me and, you know, and as he was sitting beside of me and I was sitting with him, you know, and we were just conversing and now he looks much different 20 years later, whether you know it or not, you look different 20 years later. And, and I, I said, we've met before. He said, no, no, you and I have never met before. And I said, oh, yes, we've, we've met before. He said, no, sir, I can, I can tell you 100% for sure we've met, not met before. And I said, well, let me just share it with you, the event. The Lord just whispered in my ear that you were the man. You was a man on an airplane. And you told me about the message. And your, your, your associate sat and talked with me, but at the end you told me that you had been raised in the message. And your life was in turmoil. And he sat there at that table and he said, My God! Here I am 20 years in horror, 20 years in terrible life, and I've been invited to this service, and you've just told me who I am. That man now has come to himself, and he's a real believer. Sits in our church. Believes the message with all of his heart. Don't tell me God's not caring. Little girl comes to service. And she comes and she's got tattoos all over. She comes with her boyfriend because her boyfriend's parents sit on the front row of our church. That boy's been in drugs for years. He's been in trouble for years. He's in prison right now. But that girl came one service. That boy was arrested in a couple days and next weekend she was back. Horrible looking shape. Sin had wrecked her life. Just tore completely apart. Marriage has failed. Had a child about eight years old. Living almost homeless. We watched God begin to wash her. Brother Ron, but you're just extending grace. You too. You too. God so cleaned her up. She was living in a place to where there was an older man that was give her a shelter to stay. And he saw such a change in her life. Till he would come to church with her. Ruffle codger, we would say at home. God rich in mercy, he walked to the altar and he said, I don't know what I've got to be to do to get saved and get what she's got. Yeah. 
we was in a prayer line. How many's heard Mariah Pruitt's story? Had alcopecia. No hair would grow on her body. The disease had set in, and now she's losing all of her hair. It was in that prayer line that she came. And she brought three bobby pins. And she said, I believe that I can wear these. I'll be needing these. God came and touched her life. If you could see her today, many of you seen the pictures of her, heard her testimony. But she's got long, flowing, beautiful hair. It was in that meeting that at the end I would be carried to a cabin. But just before I was carried to a cabin, the Lord whispered in my ear, wait for Jessica. Wait for Jessica Martin. You would know her as Wendell's. He's here. Wait for Jessica Martin. And I waited for just almost hundreds of people and finally Jessica stepped. I didn't know her need, but he did. You've heard the story of Hattie Wright. And all of us appreciate that story. But she had a boy in trouble. In a lot of trouble. I'm not so worried about your past. I'm worried about your future. And the Lord spoke to her using a vessel and said, I give you your son. give you your son and today her son is saved and is married and is a pillar in the church immediately after that they would carry me off to a cabin this story may of you have heard but it's still true You don't have to embellish the truth. Brother Tim Pruitt's son-in-law, Aaron Oglesby, was not a preacher. At least he didn't know it. And he carries me in. He's the height of this fellow here. And he carries me in. And as he's carrying me in, I said, you'll never be the same. God's calling you to preach the gospel. And he flung up against the wall and God came down and filled his life like never before. And let me just say, he's not just a preacher, he is a convention preacher. When God does a job, he does it extremely well. And I sat down spinning in the Holy Spirit and I saw a vision of a little boy coming across the yard in a Mickey Mouse shirt with his finger up like that. And Andrew was standing in front of me and I said, I see a little boy, a boy of impossibility. And Andrew immediately responded, not me, Daddy, not me, Daddy. I said, no, it'll be Whitney and Davy." Now, Whitney was born with a condition to where that she was impossible to have a children. And she married knowing that they couldn't have children. But God thinks something greater. Davy was in an accident. That story was told. It was believed. That, that story now was about three years old. And God's not in really hurry. And so anyway, 
as, as, as time would go, Davy was in an accident, hit ice and flipped him up on a tree and crushed his pelvis. That pelvis was so crushed until I heard the doctor say, you'll never have children because it's crushed all of that part. The vision still holds. I'm going to talk to you about some impossible situations now. They came through the prayer line about a year later. And the angel of the Lord was there. I said, Whitney, being my daughter, I said, Whitney, it's time for that baby. Now, let me just say this to you. I had never uttered these words. But God not only showed me he was a boy. He not only showed me his eye color and his hair color. But he told me his name. Now that's not too hard for God because it comes out of the book. Don't take that so strange. It comes out of the book. And so when I walked into the, the room that day, they said, we'd like to tell you his name. I said, let me tell you his name. His name is Isaac Jackson Braden. That's exactly right, Brother Ron. I said, that's what the Lord said it would be. I had a nephew that was that was so lost. It seemed like no hope. He had had promises of playing professional football in America. That's a great big deal. But he had promises of playing professional football. He was now living in a dusty, rusty basement, musty, and you could smell it on his clothes. He was living a very wretched life. I was getting ready to have brain surgery. And he came and he sat at the side of my bed and he just sat there. That day before COVID, everybody could come. And they wasn't thinking maybe even I would live through it, so they let everybody in. And so, you know, everybody was there. Maybe 30 to 50 people was in the room. They was eating Mexican food I couldn't eat. They was eating Mexican food. Somebody said amen. <laughs> they was wrapping it in those things, you know, and they were enjoying it, you know. And all of a sudden, that room became empty. It was just me and him. I looked over at him and I said, Gabriel, I don't believe that what's just happened is by accident. Everybody left but you. I said, you see, I'm not the greatest need in the room. I said, what you need, Gabriel, is Jesus. It don't take 10 years, 15 years to grow your way into it. Saul, in just a few moments, I began to speak to him. And Jesus came in the room. And in a few moments, he walked back into that room. They walked back into that room, and I said, I have an announcement. The boy that was sitting here isn't here no more. But there's a new man. 
He left where he was living. He moved in with me. He got transferred in his trooper job. And he's a state trooper. He got transferred. God just so miraculous moved things around. God gave him a queen for a wife. Had a baby born the other day. Beautifully miracles taking place there. He's not just a good boy. But he's now a deacon in our church. Brother Ron, I don't believe in visions like that anymore. Well, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I can't manufacture these things and I don't embellish these things. I just learned a long time, just tell the truth and then God will amen it. Because I don't want you to look at me. I, I want to tell you these things that not, I could talk to you about Hattie Wright. I could talk to you about the woman in Memphis. I could talk to you about all those stories. But I want to tell you there's a God that's here. And if he's come, he's come for you. I'd been invited with Brother Tim Pruitt and Brother Timothy Pruitt, Brother Jason Jackson, to preach a meeting at Brother Danny Steeman's church. It was the last morning that we were going to be there. And I had a vision. I had a vision that I was entering a pit. And it was the most horrible pit of my life. And in this depth of this pit, I'd never seen, I'd never seen the calamity or the chaos that would be in this darkness. It was so thick. It was so oppressing. It was so depressing. There's not enough words that I could say to it. But at the bottom of the pit... I found a niece. She was a girl that had left her husband. She had entered a wretched life. Everybody said a lot of things against her. Not me. I'm careful how I talk about those things. I didn't throw any stones because I know what Jesus can do. Facebook said a lot of things. Instagram said a lot of things. A lot of people gave up. A lot of people stowed stones. But I had a vision. And at the bottom of the pit, I asked her, I said, are you ready to go home? Yes, I am. I took her by the arm and we began to walk out of that pit. Do you know that, Lord, that girl sits in our church now? A girl of grace, a girl of mercy. A girl that has been restored. A girl back with her husband. I was called one night to a bedside of a girl that would, had hated me and said a lot of bad things about me. They give her hours to live. She weighed 85 pounds and she was green. She was green as some of your clothes. 
The nurse was sitting at watching. Her daughters was there. Her husband was sitting beside of her. And when I walked in, it was late at night. The Lord had spoke to me, go to her side. So I figured if the Lord had spoke to me to go, he had business to attend to. Now I'll tell you the reason why I'm here. I'm probably the sickest man in the room. But I'm here under commission to help you. And I want to be straight up with the devil right now. Honest to God facts with, with papers that tall. I'm probably the sickest man in this room. But I'm not afraid of the sickness. I may be afflicted, but I'm not defeated. I don't need notches on my belt. I don't need nobody to praise me. But I'm here because God sent me this year especially. And put an incredible burden on for me to be here. And while I was expressing my burden, Brother Ed immediately wrote me and told me he wanted me to come. God answers on both ends of the line. He don't pull a meeting together just to see if he pulls a meeting together. He gathered his people. He knows your condition. He's come to your bedside right now. He knows what's going on in your life, whether you're in the seen audience or the unseen audience. I told her husband, he was telling me, I'd like for you to preach the funeral. I'd like for you to, you know, get us through this tragic event. And I said, you know, I don't think that the Lord sent me here to get funeral preparations. She'd been out of her head for maybe days, weeks, and hadn't said or uttered a word. And I took her by her little head, and I rolled it over to me, and her eyes that hadn't been open for, for now days rolled up and looked right in my eyes. And I said, Tabitha. You may have hated me for a long time. You may have said a lot of things and you may have been not understanding of me. You may not have loved me, but I'm here for you. I want to tell you, I haven't come to preach your funeral. I've come to tell you that there's a Jesus that can heal you. And I begin to pray for that girl. And as I prayed, I felt the presence of God drop in the room. I turned to her husband in that impossible situation and I said, she'll walk down the hall with you tomorrow. Don't look at what you're seeing. Don't look at your impossible situation. Don't look at it. Don't keep your eyes on that. You focus on Jesus. You just walk into the vision. You walk into a well body. You begin to take steps. You can't do nothing but move your finger. Move your finger. Start thanking God for your healing. The next day she rolled out of that bed and walked down that hallway. 
The nurse told me on the way out, she said, I don't, I don't believe you understand. I don't believe you gave them a false hope. And I said, I didn't say it, Jesus said it. You say, well, Brother Ron, I, I believe I can get my healing while the word goes forth. I believe that too. I was preaching at a huge meeting. This is a large congregation, but that audience is about three or four times his size. As I preached, there was an older man with, with braces on his legs and crutches. To this day, I don't know his name. But he began to walk as I preached. And he moved about like this right here. And as he walked, he was making his way past tent poles. As, as he was making his way past one tent pole, he would take a break for a little while. And making make a little bit further, and he would take a break for a little while. And he'd make a little bit further, and he got to the front of the place. And when he got to the front of the place, he threw his crutches down. He threw his braces off. He ran all over that place. Is this okay? Is this okay? I was overseas, so I wouldn't know anybody. This lady was sitting there about where you're sitting, and she was sitting there, and I just kept getting drawn to her. I said, I believe if you'll stand to your feet, you have pancreas cancer, and they've only gave you weeks to live. She said, that's right, Brother Ron. I said, Jesus is your healer. She's still alive today. There's nothing impossible with God lady told me, she said, Tuesday, I'm going to deliver a dead baby. I said, let God breathe life into that womb just now. I prayed for her, and a healthy boy was born out of that dead womb. So don't tell me God can't still work. He's not dead. That didn't leave the earth when the prophet left the earth. We're still commissioned to lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. This remind him of the prophet's prayer. Satan, I adjure you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Leave this person. Leave this person. Satan, you're defeated in the name of Jesus Christ. You were whipped at Calvary. You don't have arrows for your own bow. You have no legal authority. It's for you if you will believe. Brother Ron, I've, I've gotten a little bitter in my spirit. I'm coming to a close. I've gotten a little bitter in my spirit. My prayer life has left. And I've got critical. Ever-present water from the rocks. Brother Branham explains that. He said it once was a beautiful flower. But without rain, without rain, it'll begin to curl up and it'll get, become a sticker. 
And then it's just constantly punching at everything. If you're not careful, you'll get a critical spirit and nothing's right in church. Songs, the music, the heat and the air, fans blowing over your head, who sat in your pew, preachers too loud, he preaches too long. What do you need? You need an old-fashioned revival in your heart. You need a refreshing in your spirit. You don't have to be that way no longer. You just need an attitude change in your life. Maybe you don't understand the road that your pastor's taken, taken through a journey, but God shows him a certain way to operate. And as that pastor, many times he'll go directions that'll disappoint you, but God's got a plan. God's got a plan. He'll leave 90 and 9 and go get one. He'll show grace when you feel like law needs to be beat. How long has it been since you've had an old-fashioned prayer meeting in your home? I'm talking about when the pillar of fire comes down, saturates you, and your, your tongue becomes a tongue that not only speaks English, but it begins to speak in a heavenly language. How long has it been since you had an old-fashioned refreshing of the Holy Ghost? Oh, but I got filled with the Holy Ghost 30 years ago. What about a refreshing? What about a refreshing? Brother Ron, I'm afraid I'll get fanatical. Glory to God. You know, we get so critical. Would we have been critical with Brother Brown dancing around a tree? Would we have been critical of Brother Brown shouting in glory? Would we have been critical at the end of the service with Brother Brown walking across the pulpit, swinging his coat? We want deep preaching. Sometimes we need an old-fashioned shaking. We need a fresh breath to get inside of some of these mummies. God's not coming back for a mannequin. He's coming back for a bride that loves him, worships him, praises him. Brother Ron, I, I've got an impossible situation. Can I give you one more? I was speaking at Brother Roy Shrewsbury's church that just went on to be with the Lord. And a woman with hair to her ankles came 
They'll probably hear this service. And she came and she said, Brother Ron, I want my husband. He lives in Florida with another woman. But I want him to come home and be a real husband to me. And I want him to give his life to Jesus. I'll be honest with you, it was hard for me to have faith for that. Brother Menno, I prayed. I said these words, as your faith is, so be it done unto you. Oh, what a meeting we had. Brother Roy said, Brother Ron, would you come back next week and preach for us? I believe it's the leadership of the Lord. And I said, well, I've got plans. He said, could you break those plans? I believe God wants you to be here next week. So I preached the next week. Large audience. Came down and I, I preached on a saving grace of Jesus Christ. The woman at the well that I just read to you about. The end of the service, there was a man that came running to the altar. That crowd erupted. I didn't know what was going on, but that crowd erupted and I was down with him. I was down with him praying. And as I was praying with him, you know, after a while he had a breakthrough. He jumped up and picked this little guy up and shouted around with me. Brother Shrewsbury said, do you know who that is? I said, no. He said, that's the woman's husband that she prayed for last week. children can't come home don't tell me that the Holy Ghost can't go get them don't tell me that there's a God of impossibilities why he's the same God here today I'll tell you what a powerful situation that took place that man became a pastor of the church He just hugged my neck the other day. The blood still holds. It still holds. Isn't he wonderful? Isn't he wonderful? Now, I would like for you now to say, Lord, help my unbelief. Lord, help my critical spirit. Terry, he came and got you. And just to let you know, he still loves you. I was preaching a while back. And while I was preaching, I saw a vision of her sitting on a park bench. And she was crying out to God. So I told your story in the pulpit. And as I told the story in the pulpit, I told you that God still loved you.
and you would hear the service that I preached. And I'm thousands of miles away. God knows how to come and get you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. You came through this prayer line with a lung disease. Isn't that right? And while I prayed for you, I'm not a doctor, but I told you exactly that the name of that disease. Too long for me to even say, but God uttered it through these lips. He's that God. He's a healer. Isn't that right? Isn't that right? Brother John was in a meeting. He just spoke to us just before the service was over. Come to start. I spoke to him and three or four years ago in a line in a line specifically in British Columbia. It was at Mount Baker camp in a tent meeting. It was exactly what he needed to hear. Now he's a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's so powerful behind this pulpit now, it kind of takes my breath just a bit. Brother Dwayne, why has, why has he come? Why has he come? For your needs. Why has he come for your needs? Why has he come? Young people, your daddy may be a preacher, may be a deacon may have been as a pillar of this church for years, but what about you? Do you know him? Do you know him? You may not be able to get a hold of me, but you can get a hold of Jesus. You may not be able to grab me by the lapel, but there's a Jesus in the room. Thou son of David, have mercy upon me. Prodigal? I don't care what your situation is. There's a seed. There's a blood. Come home. But I'll be throwed stones at. Not by me. Not by Jesus. Come home. I believe the same way as for all these ministers sitting in the building. You may have looked at them with wrong attitudes or wrong situations. But let me just say, there's a Jesus on the inside of them that they preach with love and care. They'll help you. But when you feel like you're, you're so alone, I want to quote a scripture for you. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. Now, he saw you before the foundation of the world. He sees your situation now, but he sees where you're going. Let's bow our heads just for a moment.
We're preparing to have a prayer line. These men of God are going to lay their hands on you. That's the commission of the word of the Lord. Now, first, I want to ask you now, with every head bowed, you're cold and indifferent on God, and you, you need Jesus, and you need a fresh and true revival in your life. And you know I've been talking to you. I, I haven't called your name, but you know that I've been talking to you. Would you just raise your hand just now? I want you to walk through this prayer line. Maybe you've been through situations that scarred you so bad you don't think you can get through. Could you raise your hand just now? Maybe you're fighting disease and you know that there's a God that's a healer and you've prayed and you've agonized in the night. It's even so quiet until you, you don't want to even utter it to your husband. Won't you raise your hand just now? Oh, God. Maybe your marriage is in trouble. You've come to the right place. Not just the man, not just the woman. Would you just raise your hand just now and say, Lord, restore my home, restore my marriage, restore the love, restore it. This is what you prayed for, Brother Ed. It's happening now. This is what you as an audience have prayed for Jesus to come, and he's here. Don't wait till tomorrow. Don't wait till next week. While he's passing by, you take advantage of the moment. You take advantage of the moment just now. Heavenly Father, we bow our heads before you now. I preach what you instructed me to preach, and I told the stories that you instructed me one by one. This afternoon, you instructed me to go to these situations and instructed me to tell these, these miracles. Lord, we believe that there's results that will happen from this. We were just in Brother Donnie Reagan's prayer line the other day and miracle after miracle after miracle took place. Brother Josh Bennett's miracle after miracle took place. Brother Sean Martin's miracle after miracle. A lady with completely eat up with cancer came 15 hours. Her whole, her whole inner being, she only had days to live. And God totally healed her. Brother Lenyo Yacht standing with a condition 14 years. And God, in that moment when hands was laid on him, when my hand came off of that place where it was at not knowing, he hasn't had a pain since that moment. It's you, Lord. It's you. We'll not put a scarecrow up and there's no unbelief. We take you at your word. Now we preached your word that you're still the same. The same when you heal the leopard. The same when you place mud in a man's eyes. The same when you stood before Lazarus and called him by name. You're that same God today. We've seen you raise the dead. We've seen you as you took a little crippled girl and as her feet was so balled up, had them in my hands, I just took you at your word and I felt those feet release and she ran all over that building. I tell these stories 
to even remind myself of the faith. You're a healer. You're a healer. Now, Lord, I pray that you'd touch your children because you promised to do that. And, Lord, we're going to be careful to give you all the glory because you're the healer. You're the physician. Now we just ask you that you'd come and touch our hearts. In Jesus Christ's name, amen and amen. The men of God that we have talked to, Brother Menno, would you come and we'll make two lines. and Song leader, if you'll come just now. We're going to have a, a brother to anoint you with all, and we're going to lay hands on you. No man here can heal you, but we're just commissioned to do the work. Hallelujah. We're going to bring the line from this, this place this way. I want you to believe. You believe. Now you believe. This is not just an exercise of faith. You're walking into the doctor's office now. Brother Ed. So what we'll do is those that are Wanting to be prayed for, you're going to come up this way. You're going to come up. Brother Allen is here to anoint you with oil. And then you'll come this way. We'll be, have prayer. And we're just going to ask you to be respectful of Brother Ron and his physical condition. You just whisper your need. We'll pray. Now, if there's somebody who's elderly, somebody who would maybe couldn't stand, I invite you to come right now. We'll pray for you wait right now while we have a moment before you have to wait in line. But if you have a need, God's been speaking. Let's just allow him to work with us as we sing. Go ahead, Brother Marion. Only believe. Jesus is here. Jesus. 
Jesus is here. All things are possible. Jesus is here. Now I believe. Now I believe. All things are possible. things are possible.